0: Welcome back to another edition of the Teletabs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche, and brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Griffin Youngs. Happy New Year, everybody. 2020 finally in the books and behind us. We can finally move on to 2021. And I got to say, New Year's off to a pretty good start so far. We've got hockey opening up across the league for all 31 teams, including your Colorado Avalanche, who opened their training camp for the first time today, Sunday, January 3rd. By the time you're hearing this tomorrow, it'll already have been going on for a day. They'll already be kicking off day two. And the regular season will open in nine days on home ice against the St. Louis Blues. We have some rosters. We have some lines together for what this team could look like on that opening night against the Blues on January 13th. Lines looking a little different than what we were expecting coming into training camp, but like we've said with this team before, they're just so laughably good. It barely matters what you do with the lineup. You can plug whoever you want wherever and still be probably the best team on paper in the league just because there's so much talent here so let's take a look at some of what the Avalanche are thinking on day one of training camp that top line of McKinnon and Rantanen instead of having Landeskog up with them Andre Burakovsky plugging in in that left wing and Gabe Landeskog moving down to play with Nazem Kadri and Brandon Saad There is no problem with any of that spreading out some of the talent, and it's hardly a difference in talent, honestly. Burakovsky is an offensive machine, especially with his shot and playing with McKinnon and Rantanen. He'll be able to use his skills to the fullness of his ability, and Landeskog with Kadri and Saad, no problems there either. Those two will probably alternate a lot, probably even just in training camp and during the season as well. You could also maybe see them trying out Brandon Saad on that top line, maybe move Landeskog back and have McKinnon and Saad at some point, or maybe keep McKinnon and Rantanen for the majority of the season, just because it's a laughably good duo. And Burakovsky did do very well on the top line when it was with McKinnon, and most of the time without Rantanen. Rantanen dealt with some injuries last season, but when they were together, no problems. And that second second line could very well pass as a top line on a lot of teams. Landeskog, Kadri, Sod, all very, very, very good players. I mean, even with Burakovsky instead of Landeskog on that top line, you're still talking about one of the best lines in the league. McKinnon and Rantanen alone is insane. And whether it's Landeskog, Burakovsky, Nachushkin, or even Tyson Jost, it hardly matters. You'd, you'd have to put someone truly awful on that line to really drag them down, and the Avalanche just don't have a player like that who could drag a line down. So odds are we're going to see just a lot of experimentation during training camp heading into that first game against the Blues, and when, like I said, when you're as good as the Avalanche, it hardly matters. But now moving on to how the defense looks in the first day of training camp. A few surprises, but nothing that doesn't make any sense. Devon who the Avalanche acquired this offseason, moving up to the top pair to play with Kale McCarr just to see if there's any chemistry there and see if that's a pair they can stick with long term. I think that's definitely what the Avalanche are hoping for with acquiring Taze for two second round picks and immediately locking him up to a four-year contract. That seems like the kind of pairing they'd like for at least this season and maybe the one after that. Sam Gerrard with Eric Johnson, as we expected, and Ryan Graves bumped down to that third pair with Ian Cole. Uh, Ian Cole, we will get into more as the episode progresses some trade rumors surrounding him as Bowen Byram continues to light it up for Canada in the World Juniors but we'll get into that more in detail later once again I mean nothing not to like here I mean you have Devontae's and Ryan Graves you can pretty much interchange them both on that top pair for the Avalanche with Kale McCarr I mean that entire left side is first pair caliber I mean just another example of how ridiculously good this team is. You can put Tays next to McCarr, or you can put Gerard there, or you can put Ryan Graves there. There, there are just no problems. And whoever's not up there, you could you'd have Gerard with Eric Johnson, a spectacular second pair defense, and Ryan Graves with Ian Cole, one of the probably one of the better like third pairings in the league, if not the best. I've I'm hard pressed to name one off the top of my head that would even be better. I mean, and I, I I can't name one off the top of my head. I mean, the only other team I can think of that would even have a, a deeper defense than this would be Carolina, maybe. I honestly I couldn't I couldn't name a better one off the top of my head right now, at least. But that's the thing; you can just have whoever you want up there. And if there's an injury or wherever and Taze goes down, Graves goes right up. It's just the benefit of having so much depth on your defense. And like I've said a lot in previous episodes, you look at the ridiculous offense that the Avalanche have and the natural assumption is that the defense suffers because of it. It's just the opposite. You can, you can make the argument that obviously outside of the star power of McKinnon, and Rantinen that the Avalanche have a better defense than they do in offense, just in terms of depth and balanced talent. Because it's not like they don't have star power. They have Kale McCarr on their top pair. He just won Rookie of the Year. The star power's there. And then the depth of Tay's, Gerard, Johnson, Graves, Cole. That's not even mentioning someone like. Connor Timmins, who could come up if there are injuries at any point and not even mentioning someone who we'll get into later like I mentioned earlier Bowen Byram who could potentially play like we're looking at this now this might not even be the defense that starts the season Bowen Byram throws a wrench into everything right now just with how incredible he's been for Canada so far in the world juniors it's Honestly, it's almost not even fair. I mean, how could this team possibly not live up to the expectations on them right now? All of the talent is here. This is not... And we know for the most part that this team works well together. This is for the most part returning players outside of Taze and Sod. So obviously throughout training camp, a lot of these players are going to move about. We'll probably see Landis Gog at some point going back up. To that top line, or maybe someone else at some point, but certainly interesting that they would open camp with Burakovsky on that top line and Gog on the second, and definitely an insight into Jared Bednar and what he imagines for the defense having Devontae's with Kale McCarr. I think that is the plan going into the season, but. Like I said, this team is pretty much prepared for anything with the amount of talent that they have on this roster right now. I mean, there's going to be injuries at some point. No team has ever had a completely healthy season from start to finish, but this team is more than prepared to deal with it all as it comes up. But moving on from some of the training camp stuff, it's just opening day for right now for training camps. Nothing really earth-shattering coming out quite yet just to pretty much just a peek into what Jared Bednar's ideal lines might look like coming into the season a lot of there's going to be a lot of changes between now and the first game against the Blues and honestly the opening night lines against the Blues might be completely different than that so there'll be a lot of time to look at all of that in the coming episodes but I wanted to get into what I think is one of the most exciting pieces of news I've seen in a long time from the NHL, and it does involve the Colorado Avalanche, the NHL planning to have a set of outdoor games at Lake Tahoe, Nevada in late February, where in a weekend the Avalanche will face the Vegas Golden Knights, and a day later the Boston Bruins will play the Philadelphia Flyers in a two-day event hosted by the Edgewood Tahoe Resort. Fans wouldn't be allowed in attendance, but basically the point of this would be just a visual broadcast spectacle. That is one of the coolest ideas I have ever heard from the NHL. That is amazing. I really, really hope that it works out the way they intend it to. Because the whole point of the Winter Classic, which obviously was canceled this year and the stadium series canceled this year as well, first time in a long time, there won't be any outdoor games scheduled. But the point of the Winter Classic basically is to, it's always advertised as a return to roots for hockey, even though for a lot of NHL players, they never really played outside on the lakes. They always were in the most professional training facilities, but for a lot of people, hockey... You know, out on frozen lakes, on skates and everything. This is really a true return to roots for hockey. Out on Lake Tahoe, no fans in attendance, and just an incredible matchup as well. It's not some throwaway. I mean, this is Colorado and Vegas. And then after that, Boston-Philly, which, I mean, not the greatest. It's not really the best rivalry, but it's not awful either. And I really hope they can pull this off because I would love for this to be something that becomes more of a a yearly thing. I mean, as nice as the Winter Classic is, I feel like there's a bit of exhaustion surrounding that and outdoor games. I think this is a very good shakeup that the league needed to really keep the momentum going with outdoor games because I think in recent years. Outdoor games have become more of a local spectacle instead of a national spectacle, which is which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But for what the NHL is going for, the Winter Classic and the Stadium Series exist to really grow the game. And they work in local markets spectacularly. I've been to plenty, and they're amazing. But they're not always the best to watch on TV, and it seems like the ratings... Have really dropped over the years, especially for the stadium series. And probably because they end up putting like three outdoor games on a year, which really takes away from the significance of it. I don't really think the stadium series should exist at all. It should just be the winter classic. But there really is something about going truly outdoors, not just like converting a football or a baseball stadium to. An outdoor hockey rink for a few days really like going outdoors like to Lake Tahoe that is a spectacular idea and I hope that this is the first of many to come in several years this seems like a test run just it's a desperate season there's really nothing to market outside of the same teams playing each other over and over again, this could really be something that helps grow the game, because this has every guarantee of being something beautiful to watch. You know, especially if there are no fans in attendance either. That gives them a lot more room to create more drone shots, or just set up more special angles. And also to get a lot of the, the sounds of the game as well. I mean, we got some of that in the bubble, but it's just not the same indoors. And this, basically what I'm saying is that this has the potential to be a home run for the NHL. And it's amazing that the Avalanche are involved in this as well, because they could have put the Sharks to play Vegas since both those teams are kind of right there, but... The Sharks are not great right now. I mean, who knows what they'll be this year, but I, it's a pretty safe bet to say that Colorado and Vegas is going to be some spectacular hockey, and I think that's a great call from the NHL to make that match up the outdoor game, because you want to grow the game, right? And Colorado is team that everyone should know by now even casual fans should know as quite possibly the next big team in the league and vegas obviously is vegas they've they're probably the most marketed team to casual fans right now i mean expansion team that went to the final in their first year and has made the playoffs every year since and at near the top of the league every single year that's a very easy thing to market but I really, really hope this goes well. And also, like, reading a lot of the comments about this new outdoor style of going to Lake Tahoe and everything, a lot of negative reaction to it, and I'm not really sure why. People just be like, oh, outdoor games are boring, they've passed their expiration date or whatever, but, like, yeah, that's the point. That's why this is happening. That's why they're doing this so it doesn't get more boring, and they have to adjust, like, just it just seems like a lot of the time, like, I don't agree with a lot of what the NHL does, I think, compared to the other three major American sports, they're not as well run, and they're not great at growing the game, but they don't miss on everything, and you have to give them some credit where it's due every once in a while. This is a great idea, and it's going to look beautiful if they can pull it off the way they envision it. And if you can't have fans at a Winter Classic this season, like they were planning to have one in Minnesota, I believe, against the Blues, and have a stadium series in Carolina, they didn't. I don't think they ever announced an opponent for that, but if you can't have those this season, then why not go somewhere, like more outdoors, not in a stadium that can house almost 100,000 people, And try something else i don't understand a lot of the the negativity surrounding this like just everything the nhl does is wrong they do a lot of things wrong i will give you that they are not the most well-run league in the country not by a long shot but this is cool we can't keep complaining about everything the nhl does especially when we get on them so hard about growing the game and how they failed to grow the game, and that's why we're so behind all the other sports, the point of this, to go outdoors, is another way to grow the game, and that's what the Winter Classics have been about all this time. They're supposed to be spectacles that appeal to a major audience, and yes, the Winter Classics have kind of lost their appeal because the matchups have gotten boring and for a long time it seemed like the Blackhawks got every single outdoor game and these games weren't marketed very well and while they were huge hits in the local markets they didn't have the kind of national impact that they used to like 10 years ago when the the Capitals played the Penguins in Pittsburgh in the Winter Classic that was a fantastic game and from what I remember that was a huge hit nationally they need stuff like that and if You can't have that this season because of no fans and everything. I think this is a great alternative. And to have a matchup like Colorado and Vegas in such a beautiful environment with one-of-a-kind shots and one-of-a-kind game sounds and everything, like, this could be something that ends up being iconic. And I really hope that it does work out. I really hope that this is something that can become maybe a yearly thing, maybe you have the Winter Classic in the big stadiums every year, and maybe you have something like this every year as well. Maybe instead of the stadium series, you have this kind of outdoor game, where maybe it's not as many fans, and it's kind of just visual spectacle, but a callback to the roots of hockey. I think that'd be amazing. So, obviously we don't know how it's going to go, or how it's going to look, and how it's going to turn out, but I'd hold off on dunking on the NHL for right now on this, at least. There are plenty of other things to dunk on the NHL about, especially the way they run their league a lot of the time. I think this is cool. I'm going to give it a chance and see how it turns out because this could be a home run for them. And if it works the way they're intending to, a great way to grow the game as well, like we all complain about them to do over and over. But for the matchup itself, for Colorado with Vegas, I mean, there's not a better matchup for them to have in this. And there's hardly a better matchup around the league to put on national television. It would be on, I assume, a Saturday night. The 20th, yes, the 20th is a Saturday night. And then you'd have the Flyers and Bruins a day later on a Sunday. But it's it's like I said when I was previewing this whole West division. The games against Vegas are going to be the most important, because if you're consistently losing to Vegas and or struggling against them, and even if when you do beat them, you're barely beating them, there's going to be a lot of lingering doubts that maybe this team won't be as good as their record, because in all likeliness, they are going to be beating up on the the Kings and the Sharks and the Coyotes and the Ducks and even the Wild to an extent for most of the season, so. It's important that they show up in these big games against Vegas and St. Louis as well, because they're really the only two teams, talent-wise, that even come close to this Avalanche team. But like I was saying, I think if the NHL can successfully pull this off, I think this can be one of the coolest things that they have ever done, and especially in a season like this where it's going to be weird, and you're playing the same teams over and over again, and probably a strong majority of it, if not all of it, there's going to be no fans. I think this is going to be a very nice treat for all fans to see. Even if you're not an Avalanche or Golden Knights or Flyers or Bruins fan, I think it'll just be something very pleasant to watch just outside of the same empty arenas over and over again. So I really hope that they end up working this out because it can be very good for the league and especially very good In a season like this like i said with a lot of repetition and for the avalanche a great opportunity to make a name for themselves on a national scale i mean obviously almost all hockey fans know that this avalanche team is something special this season but to a more casual fan that doesn't pay a lot of attention this is really their opportunity to make a name among them as well But now moving on from the outdoor game for the Avalanche, I'm sure there'll be plenty more time to talk about that as it gets closer and as the season progresses. I did want to get into the trade rumors that have begun to circulate over the last 24 hours surrounding Ian Cole that have basically stemmed from how well Bowen Byram has been playing for Team Canada in the World Junior Championships. That basically has the Avalanche wondering... Should we just play Byram in the NHL now if he's ready instead of making him wait for another year? And it's a very valid question. I mean, Bowen Byram has been one of the best players in the tournament, and every single time he steps on the ice, I mean, he does something that just makes you think that this guy is ready for the NHL now. And if he's ready, that there's going to need to be a spot for him to play. And like I mentioned earlier, Ian Cole would have to be the odd man out. So once the World Juniors conclude, Bowen Byram will be heading to Colorado to participate in training camp. He is on the training camp roster right now. And it'll be interesting to see what the Avalanche will end up doing with Byram once he does join the team. Because if Canada does go all the way to the the championship game if they beat Russia in the next game then Byram's not going to have a lot of time to really be with the team get adjusted to systems or anything so I wonder if it would really be worth it right away to have him on there I mean he could just come in and in the few days that he's in training camp just absolutely blow everybody's minds and make the team but I wonder whether or not it would be enough of a sample size to see it. I have no doubt that Byram is going to play games for the Avalanche this season. I don't think that's any question at all. It's really just a matter of how many at this point for Byram. Because if he's ready for the NHL right now, and he proves that in training camp, and you give him NHL action, and he is just he fits in perfectly with no muss or fuss, then play him. You really have nothing to lose at that point. But if he's not, I would still like to see him get NHL experience, but I'd also be weary about burning a year of his entry-level contract yet. Because Byram is going to be, at worst, a very good defenseman in the NHL. So I wouldn't rush to burn a year of his contract if you don't have to. And I I can never remember this off the top of my head, but I do believe it's nine games before you burn the first year of that contract. And I actually am not 100% sure if that changes due to the shortened season. I don't think it does. But if Byram isn't playing in the nhl this season he is too young to play in the ahl for the colorado eagles this season also the ahl would be opening in february not with the nhl in january and then at which case byram would go back to his junior team in vancouver with the vancouver giants but we also don't know if that league is going to be playing a season or not and it might be better for the Avalanche in terms of his development to play him in the NHL instead of sending him back to a league that he already dominates in. So it kind of leaves the Avalanche with a decision to make as the season starts to get underway is, should you have Byram be a top six defenseman this season? or another option, you give him the maximum amount of games that you can give him without burning a year of his contract, maybe, keep him on the taxi squad or send him back to the Vancouver Giants and maybe start integrating him with the lineup over time or I don't know I think this is a very complicated situation I mean it's it's house money you got Bowen Byram basically for almost free from the Matt Duchesne trade with the free fourth overall pick from the Senators To get a player as good as Byram. And there's no doubt he's going to be a very good player for this team sometime in the future. But is it worth it right now to be playing him in the NHL? Signs are pointing to yes, you should be playing him in the NHL as soon as you can. He is torching the competition in the World Juniors. He torches everyone he plays with when he plays with the Vancouver Giants. And with no option of playing him in the AHL this season maybe the next best thing for his development would be to bring him into the NHL but going back to the trade rumors what does that leave us with with Ian Cole now Ian Cole has one year left on his contract at 4.25 million against the cap and if Byram makes the team out of camp And starts playing significant minutes, that is in all likelihood going to leave Cole as the odd man out. Now that doesn't mean to expect a trade right away or in the next week if Byram makes the team, but if we get closer to the trade deadline and Byram has more than proven himself to be NHL ready, then at that point there might not be a ton of point to keep Ian Cole around. Now, with the Avalanche, they do have the cap space to keep Ian Cole and play Bowen Byram if Byram does indeed make the NHL, which is ultimately what I think they should do. I mean, if you have the cap space to keep Ian Cole and play Bowen Byram at the same time, I really don't see the harm in keeping both because it allows, if you're going to play Byram significantly this season, meaning burning the first year of his entry-level contract, and also you want to keep him on track with his development, does it make sense to really throw him into the NHL full-time? I don't think so. Even for a player as good and special as Bowen Byram, you have the luxury to ease him into the NHL. And maybe you can alternate him and Ian Cole on a night-to-night basis. I don't know if Ian Cole would really be up for that, but this is the final year of his contract. He could just stick it out for a season and then leave after that, like he likely will, just because of the upcoming cap issues for the Avalanche this offseason. But if we're talking about what's best for Byram's development, I don't know if playing him almost a full season is going to end up being great for his development it probably will be great but wouldn't it be better for a 19 year old to get bits and pieces of NHL experience before you throw him straight into the fire just so you know what you're dealing with ahead of the playoffs and then eventually for next season so you you test out Byram for the six games whatever those games may be maybe they're maybe they're all at once maybe they come sporadically throughout the season but after that if he's proven that he's good enough keep him around and maybe alternate him with ian cole on a night-by-night basis and let him get his feet wet first because the avalanche it's not like they're a rebuilding team reliant on Bowen byram to come in and start turning the franchise around They have, like I've mentioned several times, ridiculous defensive depth. I mean, Bo and Byram could not play a game this season for the Avalanche, and they'll be completely fine. You still have McCarr, you still have Johnson, Tays, Gerard, and Graves, and Ian Cole. So they'll be fine if he doesn't play. And worst case scenario, he will end up playing probably regularly next season, because all signs point to him being good enough to play now. And like most things with the Avalanche, this is another luxury for them to have, to have a 19-year-old potential superstar defenseman ready to play for them now. And just the hardest part of the scenario is we can't stick him in the AHL to let him play against, not NHL competition, but like players older than him and the type of physicality and competition he would be getting in the NHL but I think the idea of trading Ian Cole to make room for Byram would be a mistake especially since the Avalanche have the cap space to fit both of them even if Byram blows everybody away he's like wins world junior MVP he's great in the final two games of the world juniors comes into training camp and is blows everyone's mind and is better than expected, starts playing NHL games, and he's a Rookie of the Year candidate. There's no real reason to trade Ian Cole, because in this season, there are going to be a lot of injuries, and there are going to be times where players test positive and have to be put on the reserve list or long-term injury reserve. And from what I believe, I think that's a minimum of either 21 days or 10 games. So let's just say... Eric Johnson, who's dealt with injuries a lot in the past, gets hurt. And now you put Byram up there because he can handle it, but then what about underneath that? That's when you need your depth and a guy like Ian Cole as your fringe seventh defenseman can plug right back in because there are going to be times where you're going to be missing players, especially defensemen, for maybe an extended period of time. So... I don't think Joe Sackick is going to do this because just the salary cap is not an issue for the team right now. I think it's just reports of them doing their due diligence and really the main question here is, is Byram ready to be played in the NHL full-time now? And just logistically wondering how that would work because he's almost forcing the avalanche's hands with how good he's been in the world juniors and obviously the year before but he's blowing people's minds right now for team canada but again like why not just why not just take the gift as it is and have bowen byram in the nhl you can also just have ian cole sticking around as well and use that to get byram's feet wet in the league and play Cole every now and again, and if there's injuries, plug Cole back in full-time, you know, and I would understand trading Ian Cole if he's not happy about this, and wants out, and wants to play full-time. That I would understand, because he's more than entitled to feel that way, because he is definitely an NHL player. He is much better than a seventh defenseman. But if you're the Avalanche, and he's okay with that, there's really no point in just trading him to make room for Byram. Because if Byram's better, just play him over Cole. If Cole's better, play him over Byram and let Byram come in as needed. Because I think sending him back to Vancouver to play with the Giants, ultimately not the best plan. I think that would end up being very stagnant for his development and you're just going to end up getting the same Bowen Byram next season without much growth. And we don't even know if the WHL, where the Vancouver Giants play, are even going to be having a season. So it seems like it would just be easier to keep Byram under your control, play him as needed in the NHL. If he's better than Cole, like I said, then play him over Cole, and have them alternate as needed. And if there's injuries, like, say, Eric Johnson goes down with an injury, or Gerard does, or just just anyone, anyone can go down with an injury or a positive test at any time, just have them both and have them fill in. So I don't think anything is ultimately going to happen with the trade. I don't think Ian Cole will be traded unless he asks for one. I think he'll end up sticking around until the end of the season when his contract expires. And after that, I wouldn't imagine he does stick around just because there will be a lot more teams with increased roles for him. And also, I would assume Cole wants to win another Stanley Cup, right? And this Avalanche team has a very good shot of doing that, even if he has to sacrifice a bit of his role to let someone younger like Byram come in and play. I don't imagine ian cole will be like well i don't want the chance to win a stanley cup i want to play consistently in the league i mean maybe some players would do that but ian cole does not strike me as that kind of guy i think he'd i think he'd be more than okay with that if it gave him an increased chance at a cup but ultimately once his contract expires whether the avalanche win the stanley cup or lose in the first rounds. I'd imagine he'd want to go somewhere where he can get paid more money and have an increased role. So I do think this is his last season, but I'm hard-pressed to see a future where he doesn't finish the season with the team. I do think Byram makes the NHL, and I think worst-case scenario this season, he only plays the minimum of six games. And best-case scenario, he's NHL-ready, and he plugs into the lineup right away, and he's the Avalanche just have another defenseman that can compete for the Calder this season, like Kale McCarr did when he won it last year. So, like most things with the Avalanche, house money. It's a luxury. It's just fun. You just, you're just you just this embarrassment of riches that you just have that other teams could only dream of having. Eventually, having all of that's going to come back to bite in terms of salary cap, obviously, I mean... The reason we have most of this is because McKinnon is on his absurdly cheap contract of barely more than $6 million, if it's even more than $6 million, $6.3 million for three seasons, including this one, so it'd expire after the 2023 season. It's basically the reason why we can just have all of these nice things, is that we're not paying him double that, like he's worth, but eventually next season obviously we've talked about this before you are going to have to pay kale mccarr a big raise you're going to have to pay landis gog maybe not a significant raise but a sizable enough raise for it to be noticeable and brandon sod's expiring matt calvert's expiring belmar's expiring ian cole like we just mentioned's expiring grubauer's expiring so i'd say just take advantage of it for now just take advantage of the fact that you can just have a potential future superstar defenseman at 19 come in and plug into the lineup to just give you more depth there's nothing wrong with having more depth and you have Ian Cole for one more year and like let's say you do trade him what are you getting back are you getting back a draft pick are you getting back like a depth you're not gonna win that trade I mean he there's one year left on his deal and really that trade is if it's not just straight up for a draft pick or something is going to be difficult to pull off because that's a lot of cap to be dumping on a team in a flat cap season. Not to say it can't be done, but the Avalanche aren't going to be sellers at the deadline. So what's going to be worth more, like a, a third, second round pick or just having more depth in a season where you are the favorites to win the Stanley Cup? I mean, I think I know where I stand on that. Just keep them. Just keep them both and just have them and be a better team because of it. So I think these rumors are coming from the Avalanche just doing their due diligence and Byram progressing at a rate faster than they expected. But I think, honestly, Byram was going to start a controversy with this anyway just because he's a ridiculously good player. So just keep them. Keep them both. Let Byram get NHL experience. I think sending him back to the WHL to play with the Vancouver Giants would just be a waste of a season. And I think trading Ian Cole would just be a waste of depth. And for what? A draft pick? I don't think it'd be worth it. I think Cole brings enough to the lineup with his physicality and just solid defensive play that it's worth keeping him. So that's what I think about the trade rumors with Cole and Byram's sudden emergence that he could be in the NHL this season just keep them both but moving on from that now I wanted to get into a new segment that I wanted to introduce to you today and that is going to be our rewind segments where we rewind to the 2016-17 season for the Colorado Avalanche the league worst Colorado Avalanche and the worst team ever in the salary cap era until that title was taken by the Detroit Red Wings last season, 48 points in 82 games, 56 losses, four overtime losses for 60 losses, only 22 wins. I think it's worth it to just look back at just how bad this team was and just how far we have come as an organization in just four short years and how... Really, this is the last season that the Avalanche have missed the playoffs. They've made the playoffs for three straight seasons after this. Right away, immediately after a bottom out like no one has seen. I mean, this team was worse than teams that were intentionally trying to lose. I mean, the 14-15 Sabres were unashamed in the fact that they were tanking to get Connor McDavid, and this 16-17 Avalanche team with McKinnon and Landeskog on it, was worse than that. And I I am fascinated by this season, and I've wanted to take a look back at it. And so, January 4th, which will be Monday when this episode releases, four years ago to that day, the Colorado Avalanche lost to the Calgary Flames 4-1 to to drop to 12-25-1 on the season and do we want to take a guess as to when the avalanche's lone goal came with 85 seconds left in the game i'll give you a second if your guess was patrick Weirkosh, assisted by Jerome ginla you would be correct because that's what happened 85 seconds left in the game down four to nothing patrick Weirkosh scored the Avalanche's lone goal with the lone assist going to Jerome Aginla. Aren't those just a pair of names to look back on now? Remember Jerome Ginla being an Avalanche? I mean, that feels like it was almost a lifetime ago, but that was four short years ago, three seasons ago. Jerome Ginla was playing 15 minutes a night for this team. And going back to the game, the Flames outshot the Avalanche 37-18. to 18. Just a complete domination from start to finish. one nothing after the first period, 2 nothing after the second period, and then pulling away late in the third. Two goals from the Flames before the Avalanche ended the shutout bid. And I guess that was enough to hang their hat on back then because this team had nothing going for them back then. And and like I just said, that was the fifth game of a five-game losing streak and only one win in their previous 10 games before that. And as the season goes on, we'll be comparing the players back then to who plays for them now, just, just for some perspective on how much of a wreck that team was and how, frankly, good this team is now. But obviously, there are no games happening right now. But coincidentally, there is a game that took place on January 4th, last year in 2020, when the Colorado Avalanche took on the New Jersey Devils in New Jersey. The Avalanche won that game 5-2 to move to 25-13-4 and on the season. Just a slight difference from three years prior when they were tanking to the bottom of the league. Goals in that game for the Avalanche came from Rantanen, Cole, Rantanen again, Belmar and Miko Rantanen actually with a hat trick that game capping that off with an empty net goal little different than Patrick Weirkosh scoring his third goal of the season assisted by Jerome Ginla. I mean the talent on this team versus that old avalanche team is night and day even even last season when this avalanche team was turning it around and proving themselves to be one of the better teams in not just the west but the NHL it's a night and day difference. I mean, Miko Rantanen alone, he did play for the Avalanche in that season. That was his rookie season, and one of the lone bright spots was that he scored 20 goals. And at this point alone in the season, on January 4th, Rantanen had scored his 13th, 14th, and 15th goal, already only five goals away from his rookie total. But like I said, as the season goes on, we're going to be continuing to take a look at what happened on the day four years ago with that league-worst Avalanche team. Obviously not a season to compare it to right now, so that'll wrap that segment up. And now I wanted to get into the Around the NHL segment. Obviously quite a few things happening around the league, but I think the biggest story right now was Pierre-Luc Dubois signing a contract in Columbus He was an RFA for the Blue Jackets this season, two years, $5 million a year, but before the contract was handed out, reports that Dubois was wanting a change of scenery started to come out, and obviously, like hockey fans do, they freak out and start putting together a trade package for him That see how their favorite team could get him, and then a few hours later, he signs the contract, but it was noticed that that trade request still stood. And so maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois' future may still not be in Columbus, despite the fact that he just signed that contract. And maybe a change of scenery might still be in his future. Now, I don't know what this is with the Blue Jackets, but this is becoming a problem for them that they just had this whole debacle with Panarin and Bobrovsky that they didn't want to stay anymore. And no matter what they did, they still didn't stay even after they won their first playoff series in franchise history with the historic upset over the Lightning and offering Panarin even more money than any other team gave him in a Hail Mary. And then Bobrovsky obviously leaving after all that time and going to Florida. Maybe it was better for Columbus that he didn't end up staying, but He was their franchise goalie and he left at really the first sign and once his contract expired and now Pierre-Luc Dubois their future number one center he's their number one center right now and 22 years old third overall pick in 2016 another a slam dunk pick for them he's been spectacular for them and now apparently he wants out as well and you can see Probably the organization is probably blindsided by this, and fans are obviously like, well, what the hell? Why can we not keep good players? Why do players never want to come here? What's going on? Is it the city? It's a beautiful city. Is it the organization? I mean, they haven't had a lot of success, but they're, they're not like the senators or anything, where just things come out day after day about how horribly the organizations run. I mean, Jarmo Kekalainen is a great general manager for the most part. John Tortorella is considered one of the best coaches in the league, even if he is a bit of a hard ass. But there's there's just something about this situation in Columbus that stinks, and I don't understand why this keeps happening again and again and again. So maybe it's just something personal with Dubois that he wants out and maybe this has nothing to do with the Blue Jackets and this is all just coincidence but I'm fascinated to see where this could go for them because if Dubois wants out then obviously he's not going to give a hundred percent there was an article from the athletic that Dubois doesn't want this to be a distraction during the season but how can this how can this not be a distraction dude You're requesting a trade that's going to be a distraction. And every time you're interviewed, it's gonna be brought up and whether it's solved or if he still wants out. And if you're as long as you're on the team, until you clarify that you want otherwise, it's gonna be a distraction. So I don't I just don't understand what the Blue Jackets' problem is with keeping high-end talent. I mean they drafted this guy. It's not like they picked him up in free agency or he came in a trade that he had no choice in. They drafted him. He signed his contract here and everything. He's played here for three seasons. And then shortly after everything comes out that Bill oh, maybe he wants to change his scenery, he signs another contract for two years. He's under team control for, I believe, another three, four seasons, two years under contract, and then two more years of RFA rights after that. It just, like... What is going on here, man? Is this a Blue Jackets thing? Is this a Dubois thing? I just I just don't get it. Because it just... Blue Jackets seem like they're poised to have another strong season, even after Panarin and Bobrovsky left the season before. They still made the playoffs. And Dubois was a big part of that, especially in the series against Toronto in the qualifying round. And seems like he was due for a big breakout season this year but now this is going to be hanging over the team for the whole season. So I just don't I just don't get it. I don't get why this is a problem all of a sudden. I don't get why the Blue Jackets seem to have trouble keeping talent let alone attracting talent to the team. And it's just it's just a very bizarre scenario for them, and I hope it gets resolved. I mean, If Dubois gets traded, that's going to be a blockbuster deal because Dubois is a fantastic young center and someone, maybe not that you can build around, but you can make him maybe your number one center. And on a Stanley Cup contending team, he's a solid 1A center to have at still just 22 years old. He's due to have a tremendous breakout season. So maybe just for entertainment purposes, just as another fan following the league, this could be very fun to watch, but for the Blue Jackets, this has got you've got to be pulling your hair out right now. Like, what the hell is going on here? I thought we were past this, and man, it's got to, it's got to be rough to be a Blue Jackets fan sometimes. I got to tell you, I mean, you got one playoff series win in franchise history. I mean, granted, it's a pretty good pretty good series win against the Lightning in that sweep of the one of the best teams in NHL history. But outside of that, nothing. They lost the next round. They lost to Tampa the next season to kind of take that away, that their claim to fame. And really nothing else to show for it. Panarin leaving immediately after they beat Tampa and lost to Boston. Bobrovsky leaving the same season. And they have a nice little underdog season the next year. They surprise a lot of people with their young goaltending and just resilience. They make the, the the expanded playoffs as a nine seed. They knock off the Maple Leafs in the qualifying round in a great series and lose to Tampa in five. But team's young and they're growing. And now you got this hanging over your head. Is I'm I'm real sorry, Blue Jackets fans. I don't know why this keeps happening to you. And and something's got to be figured out here because. This could turn into a mess if it doesn't get resolved soon. But that is going to do it for me on this edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Follow me on Twitter at G Youngs NHL and follow the show at Tell It As It Is. If you have a question you'd like to have answered on the show, send them to our open DM inbox. I'd love to start doing a and a segment sometime in the near future. I have been your host Griffin Youngs. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will catch you all next time.